Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the old Grognar, kicking your tea live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Herald, and the quest, the past. In the last incredibly tumultuous, dramatic episode of the podcast, our party uh, had met with the Council of Four in the realms of the Immortals in the land of Twilight. Uh, Kalika found out some very unsavory information about her existence, finding that like some sort of a strange penny-scented magnet traveling around the mortals had discovered that fate weaves a very unfortunate tale for everyone who comes within her reach. But basically, Kalika's soul is bound to that plane, being an immortal herself, and anybody who is around is going to, in one way or another, help direct her back to her homeland, uh, oftentimes uprooting and ruining people's lives in the process in ways that nobody can truly uh, can control and ways that nobody can truly uh, predict. Um, Klika also found out very unfortunately that her mother, as well as the Tome Guard, and uh, I guess whomever else, yeah, I, don't, I think that was just pretty much those two, uh, were responsible for having created her essentially as a, a something of a project a experiment, a creation known as sort of a key, sort of a in-between that would help create a uh, a way to planar gate through uh, either the plane of mortals to the plane of immortals, uh, which leaves Click in a very unfortunate position, uh, not wanting to be such a thing, I suppose. Uh, the rest of the party, having been either high on that sweet immortal personality juice, or being Jarzak, uh, had decided alongside Klika that this place sucks, these guys are nerds, and decided to go home, Anton prepping to launch a fireball at some target we don't know, before teleporting back to Enton. So, having, uh, having tried to warn the immortals of uh, the Herald of Steel, and found that they were less than enthused about this, and figured that Found out that the immortals basically thought this was nothing but a nuisance and figured that it was nothing at all and that mortals like yourselves are just a bunch of complainer crybabies and even if there is a giant genocide, that's kind of the way of your people. That happens, whatever. Same shit, different day. So with that, the party disillusioned come home uh, and I suppose now we're going to have to figure out what the fuck we're going to do next. So I guess the game opens up now. Uh, everybody jaunts through the portal at the at uh, in about uh, midday uh in enton and uh anton you have a fireball yeah. where are you aiming this 
Jarzak cast. Well, I feel like he was aiming it at the direction of where the Council of the Four was. So wherever he's facing in that same direction, it's just going to go. Like if he was facing north, it's just going to go north. Uh, okay. And so you guys were at like the bottom of a pit. So you'd have to aim up. So luckily, luckily the design of that would allow us to not have you uh, shoot directly at a building or by standards. <laughs> That's good. Can, can Jarzak try to cast Counterspell to stop this? Yeah, totally. It's like a, it's like a um, arm wrestle. It's going to open. Suppose so. So how's Counterspell work? It's a level you four. You cast it at fifth level auto. Oh wait, yeah, no. Do we yeah. have fourth, fifth level spells? Whatever yep, the highest I, tier spell I cast, is. I cast it at fifth. Yeah. Okay, um, mine, mine was fourth level. So yeah, the fireball just doesn't happen. Yeah, it just game. doesn't happen then. Ooh. So Anton stands there with hand vacant of glowing golden pea, and uh, just sort of angrily looks off into the distance, realizing where Anton is. I suppose. And again, you guys are standing in the middle of Enton midday. Uh, and all the bystanders around you, the ones you have interrupted, look around very confused, alarmed, and many people run screaming in panic. First question, do we still have our personalities a little messed up? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a bit of a half-life to these personalities. So, Norhill, I hope you're ready to face your family in this disgraceful fashion of curiosity. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, Nor- Norhill is going to uh, go up to Anton. Uh, you're lucky that that didn't actually go off. That could have been quite a disaster. Are you feeling all right? No, Anton just Are turns you... and his face. He's like, they're lucky it didn't go off. And he just stomps off all angry. <laughs> Towards like the woods or something. He's very upset. Everyone... To the woods? You're in the middle of the Where... city. <laughs> Well, towards like the exit, you know, wherever he can get like away from people, uh, whatever's like the easiest route. Like I don't know if it's docks or if it's like one of the gates. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, say you just go down to the dock. I mean, you can see the wave wraith and a crew are uh, seemingly working on it. But you can go down to the docks and go by the water where nobody else is. Yeah, just curious when he's down there does he i feel like he did have some at one like some point uh, spiritual connection to yura does he sense that maybe something is missing no 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 you definitely feel a spiritual connection to the water of the ocean and as you approach it and look deep in it you sense that sort of uh, strange magnetism that you'd felt before when viewing Eurostetting in the distance from the mountaintop. He just stares at his reflection all angry. Just, just, trying, to, just trying to make sense of what they actually told him about Klico. I feel like you just kind of went aggressive. Like, what are you guys saying? This doesn't mean anything. But he's, I think, slowly taking the time to ponder on it. Oh, what does everybody else do? Uh, well, mm. Norhill suggests we probably ought to report the outcome of our meeting with the Immortals. No need to know that 
no divine aid is coming. Okay. So did you want to speak with the council of the uh, gnomes there? Sort of debrief? Okay. What about everybody else? Did Klika or Jarzak have anything they wanted to do? Hmm. Like everybody sort of splits up. Klika just stands there in consternation, staring at her feet angrily. Uh, <laughs> no, she'd lay down on her back eventually and just <laughs> but I don't know. Future. Um future yeah everything's chrome oh man I don't know uh click might just find someplace quiet for a bit Jesus Christ this whole party's gotten beaten a snot on this one uh, uh, also goes to the docks, but Klika and Anton can't brood at the docks at the same time. I mean, like, Klika knows the magical tower stuff. How easy would it be to just sort of teleport up someplace where no one else can sort of get to her? On the, uh, I mean, because like the Council Five up. Colors have like a secret mirror tower, right? Or like Mirage <laughs> Tower. Yeah, like, how high does it go? Are there parapets? No, it's kind of just basically a giant, like, it looks like a giant microphone. But it's uh, about 80 feet up at the tallest. Yeah, she'll just go straight up teleport to the top of that. Okay. I'm sure there's room for Gleek up there. Yeah. And you're talking about inside, right? No out. Okay, how are you teleporting? I have uh, Dimension Door still. That's what I kind of assumed, but when you said teleporting up, I'm like, their elevator doesn't go to that floor. That's where they have the jacuzzi. That's where uh, that's <laughs> where they keep the real fish. Out. Yeah, fell thistles <laughs> up there, jacuzzi and up. He's like, oh. <laughs> Clicka doesn't um, even notice. <laughs> just takes, okay. just gets in the jacuzzi with her clothes on and starts eating candy out of her pockets as they melt to her. <laughs> it's just jacuzzi goop. <laughs> no, that's what they used to call me in high school. Uh, so, uh, Jarzak, uh, <laughs> are you also brooding? Uh, Jarzak goes to turn around and be like, "Hey, Clica, uh, Clica's just, just, just gone." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, "I guess, um, guess I'll wait here for her," and he just sits down. <laughs> Just in the middle of the road. That's fine. <laughs> Wherever we so are. So does that? So does that mean Norhill? So did Norhill? Uh, was he going to wait for the party to go drop off this information, and then he sees everybody storm off except for Jarzak, who sits idly. I mean, so Norhill suggested that that's what they do. Uh, so I guess technically he hasn't left yet. Uh, All right. Well, that's what I figured. The 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 party storms off. And it just sort and of sits you know, down. Well, well, watches them all go. This feels like the Except- scene in Spice Girls, Spice World, and they all split up near the end. Well, luckily, Jarzak sat down. <laughs> so, I mean, oh. he's just behind Jar- you uh, on the ground. Uh, Jarzak, I think Klico's going to need a little time to herself. Uh, would you like to help me break the news to the council? What if 
What if she comes back here and no one's here? I'm sure she'll be able to find us. And afterwards, uh, we can, you know, he- head to the inn, watch a little wrestling. Uh, Jarzak's going to take some some water and dirt and make a little mud pie in his hand and then make a little muddy arrow on the ground to point the direction we're going. Uh, she'll know. Just come back. Just see and be like, oh, fuck, he's messy somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) He made it with his hands. Just knows I've Um, been playing in mud. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Just detects mud. Like, um, okay. So uh, with that, Anton broods, Glika broods, uh, Norhill and Jarzak go to the tower to speak with the council. So once you go to the council um, and teleport up to there, not only do all the gnomes of the various colors, as well as Aldo Fell Thistle, uh, the halfling there, not only do they all greet you uh, with a certain level of warmth and happiness seeing that you've returned, but they inform you that it's been two weeks since you left, which, judging by the time you spend, does not really work out to the same math. It seems like you spent four times as much time there as you thought you did. And so they say that in that time, the forces of the queen have sort of been bolstering, but they seem to be just doing sort of rings around Glory Wake. Uh, sorry, around um, yeah, Glory Wake, Eagle Heart. Um, so they tell you that they've prepared and repaired the Wave Wraith and prepared it for your next part of your quest, as given to you by the queen, Paleo Deatries. Um, but yeah, I guess they at this point are just sort of happy to hear whatever you have to tell them about what happened with the immortals. Assuming the fact that you've come back in one piece, some good news is probably coming their way. Oh, no. Norhill breaks it as gently as he can. And what does he tell them? So uh, Nor- Norhill starts by, you know, d- telling them a little bit about uh, our, uh, the party's exploits. Uh, upon arrival, uh, the people that we met there, what the land of immortals is like. Um, and then he transitions uh, to appealing before the council and says, Unfortunately, the voices that represent the land of immortals feel that they are in no imminent danger and that this is a concern of the mortal realm only. No help will be forthcoming. Not a single mouth in the room stays closed as everybody's faces go to a very, very pained, agape expression as if in complete and utter disbelief that their current plate uh, could be ignored in such a way. And with that, Aldo Felthistle chimes in above all the other voices as he walks forward and he says, now you listen here. You mean to tell me that they won't help not even one bit? Say what we might, they could not take our, they would not take our warnings seriously. To them, this is a passing thing. That before long, it will be long forgotten. With that, he kind of just looks at the ground, then he looks up and gives a kind of really unfortunate little expression as he says, too often on the shoreline, The water washes up on the shore. 
It gets wrapped in into stones and divots in the mud and becomes a swirling pool all its own. Even though the small creatures that dwell in that pool are in just a little body of water, to them, it is everything. I refuse to believe that we are foolish for forgetting about the sea that we have come from. If we are to suggest that we're just a passing pool here on the side of a beach, then what is anything worth fighting for? Sure, we might just be a riptide in history, something to be forgotten soon enough in the wink of eternity. But this is our eternity, damn it. And he smacks his staff on the ground with a click and a single piece of grass falls out of the, the staff from somewhere, hard to tell where. And he just looks to you with a grumpy look on his face as if not mad at you. I'm inclined to agree. And I, at least for one, am not willing to go down without a fight. Well, that one of the gnomes, the one in the red, chimes in and says, we have no choice. But with that, a more burly voice sort of enters the chat here as um, the orcish uh, stand-in for Jarzak sort of steps forward and uh, puts a hand on Jarzak's shoulder and says, um, we must fight. If there's anything that can be done, we must do it, and we will die trying. Well, yeah, we were always going to fight. Of course. With that, he gives you a sort of a wink and a nod, as if knowing very well this may be the last of the fights that the uh, orcs may ever know. But with that, um, Agarak turns to the gnomes and says, not to speak out of hand here, but what is it that must happen now? And with that, the gnomes sort of look to Norhill and to Jarzak, knowing that you guys have in your possession a certain artifact from a certain elvish queen to be offered as a gift to a certain undead figure. The tower must be brought low. And we are the ones who are going to have to do it. And I can only assume that it is going to take magical might beyond counting. Perhaps it seemed desperate uh, to reach out to the, uh, to the Lich as the Elven Queen suggested. But as a denizen of this world of mortals himself, perhaps he would be more inclined uh, to lend his aid the two-hour with, with that, the gnomes all kind of look to each other solemnly, not knowing if they can trust this logic. And Aldo says, it seems the only chance we've got. So with that, they say, do you have plans for transportation for how to get to Firamore? Well, how long can the wave wraith stay in the air? And with that, the gnomes all begin to grin and look to each other eagerly as they say that they have perfected the technology involved in moving this thing around. And they found a way to perpetually piss off the air elementals that keep it afloat and found a way to sort of calm them down and put them into a permanent stasis if need be. So it seems like they've pretty well figured out how to create an on and off switch on this thing. And they created a very interesting... Uh, I want to say this, kind of like a diaper for, for the vessel that when the thing has to land, it lands on a giant inflatable like under blimp that's sort of like the two blimps on top 
it just like shoots all the air to the bottom instead. So it just makes two big giant bubbles underneath it that it just like kind of bounces and lands on. And they say, as long as you don't land on anything pointy, you should be okay. Okay. Prepare the vessel uh, uh, for the journey. We will leave as soon as we can. Okay. And so with that, the council eagerly uh, seemed to be, uh, they seem to be very excited by your go-get-it attitude. Um, but everybody seems to also recognize how unbelievably scary this whole concept is that you're leaving again and not even just leaving, but going across basically the planet to fear more so far away to go meet with the Lich Uthrendil. So, yeah, um, needless to say, this may be the last time they've seen you, but at the same time, you've also gone to the land of immortals and you've come back. So it's hard to believe that you guys aren't going to come back in one shape or another. You're just going to have new family drama to unpack when you get home. <laughs> Turns out Anton's father is a Lich. I don't know. Something's going to oh, happen. Who knows? Weird. Not dead, daddy. Um, so with that, um, yeah, I guess Anton and Kalika. I think that it's also funny that Kalika can definitely see Anton on the boardwalk being all moody and pissed off. That's why Kalika went up there, so she could see everyone and no one could see her. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my my question is, which what are you two moody, moody debooties doing? Anton is just crumbling to himself. He's like, I saw the Illuminator. This would not be the case. Why did I meet him? Why didn't he come and talk to us? Why didn't he see about our plight? He's very upset. And he's like, Yura just disappeared. Yura just went away. So he's he's a little bit cross with his faith right now. Yeah. And in the time that you're brooding and uh, the... Um... Uh, the time that Jarzak and Norhill are up in the tower doing their business, uh, the sun does set, and luckily it sets for you in the north um, this time of day. So you get a very nice sunset on the water, and as you're contemplating, <laughs> as you're contemplating the uh, the sunset on the water, and see all the uh, unbelievably brilliant colors sort of transfixed over the water in very even paced waves, and here the uh, world behind you slowly become a dull murmur as night begins to set. You see the combination of the sunlight and the ocean, and begin to think about your own faith and the fact that you are completely without guidance from either, yet always within reach of one or the other. And you have this, hopefully there's a moment where Anton has a realization that that may be the case, but perhaps that's not enough. I don't know. I don't know. He's looking at that sunset. He's a little angry, but he realizes like, they're like my parents who left me. Just flipping <laughs> off the sunset. Jeez. He's so moody. Hissing into the ocean. That. He's just like, just taking a leak in the ocean. Oh God, he's not being that seen. <laughs> um, no, he's just a good old Saint really, Anton. I think he just really has to rethink of like, besides like the spells he's given, the gifts he's like, it's faith just a guidance at this point. Like I think he's like really like questioning it. I don't know if it has any effects by spells, by the way, because I know that's like at least a paladin thing that if you go against certain 
Like, isn't it if pals in the lawful and they don't do lawful things at some point, they lose access to like their nails? No, hold on, Ronnie, hold on. You're getting into rules. Nardbite territory. Don't don't <laughs> talk about things that could be a Nardbite. Paladins don't have any alignment restrictions. You could be a chaotic evil paladin of the light. It would not change anything. You just have to have a very persuasive argument of why it works. But no, I mean, as long as you have faith in your religion, then you should have all connection to your to your gods. Okay. Are you voluntarily giving up your magical powers? Are you? Are no, you... no. I was just curious if his faith is like not really wavering. He's just like mad, and I think he's like slowly coming to acceptance that like gods are gods and at the end of the day it's just what the gods represented i think he's starting to come to that yeah but i do also hope that anton has a few moments where he recalls that no one should walk so close to the light that they become blinded and that a healthy level of skepticism and doubt is necessary to give faith any meaning but you know um so what does Kalika do up top while watching Anton pee in the water and flip off the sunset in the yeah, north? Doing not what Saint Anton, the convicted felon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sex offender. Kalika watched the town guard clock Anton, checks the arc. She's like, "Wow, that's that's powerful." He was he was saving up. <laughs> well, There's... everybody knows there are no bathrooms in the spirit world. Uh. You know, your body doesn't know it needs to go to the bathroom until you get back to the mortal plane, and then it all hits Those, you at once. It sure does feel like two weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Klika was gonna uh, just go up there to sort of clear her mind and think about everything, and then she starts to get through it and realizes that she was supposed to tell some immortal that Tatharja was a good guy and totally forgot and then she just feels bad about that and lays face down on top of the tower for a bit <laughs> just trying not to think about it also like thinking that the tower looks opaque from the outside looking in but on the inside it's completely <laughs> like clear like a like a tinted window so, so everybody in see? having this serious meeting about what to do just looks up and sees <laughs> just sees Klika's face imprinted on the glass just <laughs> <laughs> just looking like, so conflicted <laughs> slowly sliding down the yeah. glass just every couple of minutes you just hear pop 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 and she's sort of Climbs back Climbs up. Back up. <laughs> like, should we let her in? No, she needs this. <laughs> Please don't. Nobody here say you could see her. Please. Um. Yeah, so she realizes that. And I guess, like, kind of just laughs at that. That she was, she promised to do one thing and completely forgot and got so wrapped up in her own like life and everything and like realizes I guess that it isn't always all about her and even if that's what those people say there's still things that have 
nothing to do with her that she can do for other people. And I that sort of just makes her laugh in a way. She still feels really bad about not doing it, though. And then she, she's just gonna, uh, I guess, after a bit, like once the sun has set and she can see the town sort of lighting up all the torches and stuff for the night, she'll pop down towards the um, tavern and sort of pop in there to see everybody. All of the friends she's made that she doesn't think maybe had anything to do with getting her back to the land of immortals and were just people she wanted to be with and wanted to be with her. Yeah, and I mean, once you go to the uh, Succubus Scorn, um, you're definitely greeted warmly by dozens of faces that you've never seen before, plenty of people you've never met. Um, as well as a few very important faces that you do recognize, such as Ian Caleth and Auk, as well as Kick. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you're greeted warmly, but I guess people probably notice your temperament and everything and offer you uh, good praise and good health for coming home, but know to kind of keep their distance. Ian Caleth probably picking up on this most intuitively. Um, I mean... Honestly, out of everybody, I was thinking it would be Yigalis that I kind of wanted to talk to, I guess, just like one on one or just sort of pick her brain about some stuff. Okay. So if Clea could approach her, um, Yigalis, do you do you have a little bit? And then she walks over to the table and sets down next to you in the corner in the dark. And she says, for you, I have all of eternity. Um, I guess you told us before that you were an assassin and stuff. Is that something like, did you choose to do that? Or was that sort of just something that you happened to you and you kept doing? She looks off into the distance as if looking through a catalog of painful memories and slowly comes back to reality as a dwarf body slams another dwarf in the wrestling ring about 20 feet from the table, causing all (laughs) drinks and chairs to shift noisily. And she looks back to you and she says, from a very young age, I was trained to do what I do. I was born and I was created to do what I do. My whole life's mission was to do these sorts of calculated killings. And I was very good at what I did. I knew no life other than that. And it was only when I left and started to try to gather recon and learn about a certain quarry that I met. And when I met him, somebody so painfully innocent and unaware of the pain of the world around him that I recognized how misled I was. I thought I had it all figured out, and I convinced myself that world the world was just about people who deserved to die and people who wanted others dead. And it slowly dawned on me how precious life truly is, and how the fact that anybody could put a price on anybody's head is nothing but a, a reminder that no life actually truly has value. Not that value, you know, life has no value, but that life is so perpetually valuable 
that's really kind of a sign of how little people think of anything to think they could ever assign a price tag to a job like that. So was it me that was doing the killing? Was it me that was behind that? Every single person I've killed in my life has been at my own hands in one way or another. But was it always me? I like to think people change and people can become different people if they have to. I think that if you give yourself the opportunity, you can be whoever you have to be in order to get through. The one true person who exists is the one that you see inside your own reflection and inside your own head. You can change whatever it is on the outside. You can change your name. When she takes a small pause after she says that, you begin to realize that Yigkalith may not actually be her name. Mm. And then she says, you can change your appearance. And you start to question even that, too. And she looks down and she says, but you can't change what you've done. You can change your perspective, but not history. What if no matter what you changed about yourself, the thing you were created to be couldn't be changed? What if... She just looks confused at you when you mention that. And she just sort of kind of like raises the lizard-like eyebrow that she has and says, well, any sort of creational design that anybody puts on you, any sort of purpose they put on you is just that, a purpose put upon you. There's no way that they could dictate what you're here for. I hope so. Um, Thank you. And... I hope I'm really excited to see what you do with your life, Yikalith. I want to know who you become. And she smiles to you and in a sort of painfully honest way as she sort of looks to you and realizes this whole conversation has been a lot deeper than what you two have ever had to talk about before. She says, Gliga, as one of my kind, I am rather old. I'm afraid I don't have too much of a life left to live. And with the way that the world is going and the line of work that I'm in, I'd be surprised if I died of old age. All I can tell you is that if you live each day like it was your last and did everything in your power to be the most authentic version of yourself you can be, you will never live in regrets. And with that, you see Auk get like triple slammed as three different dwarves dangle off of either of his arms and his head in the ring and he just starts swinging around in odd directions as his eyes are covered by the dwarf on his shoulders and a single dwarf gets flung from his arm crashes into one of the wall mounts holding up a bunch of booze and all the dwarves go quiet as this happens and then the entire place erupts in cheering and laughter and with that noise Yig Kalith just looks to you with a grin and puts her finger under your chin and kind of boosts your chin up a little bit. And she says, you've got all the time in the world to be the person you're meant to be. Mm, thank you. Thank you, you, Kalith. I, I'm glad you found Ock. And I'm glad Ock found you. And with that, she says, and I'm sure that Norhill, Jarzak, and Anton are all very glad that they found you as well. 
that, Klinka just sort of can't make eye contact. Yeah, can't make eye contact. It just sort of (laughs) takes her drink and finds an even darker corner to sit in. (laughs) Advanced darkness. Yeah, (laughs) just sort of sinks into the ground. The click is just there waiting for you. (laughs) Ah, fuck. I'm going to put a bell on that guy. (laughs) But, okay. Um, So I imagine at this point, Norhill and Jarzak probably walk in, unless Anton wants to come in before that. I think he'll... uh, I don't think he'll... I think once the sun really, like, passes the horizon and it's truly set, uh, he'll walk over. Okay, so in that case, Norhill and Jarzak probably would have gotten there first, and you guys see kick the uh, you guys see uh sorry Yikalith walking away from a dark corner, and as she walks over to you too, she just kind of says that Klika is very, very much so in a dark mood and probably wants to be left alone. Thank you for the warning. For the warning. For the warning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's such a funny way to put it. Like, oh, geez. Little Miss Crybaby's at it again. <laughs> way, way, way. I destroyed the universe. Way, way, way. Well, you know, there, there, there's nothing quite like, you know, uh, coming up to somebody with, like, good evening. Uh, how was your day, energy, <laughs> when they've actually had the worst day of their life? Since Norhill now is perpetually that energy. <laughs> but, yeah. um, which once your family see you again, they're all very perturbed by your level of energy and curiosity, and they feel like a doppelganger may have taken their father's form, and they immediately... <laughs> Norhill's never been a hugger. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, he is questioned and quartered. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, your family are very happy to see you. And for a moment, it almost seems to Norhill, who probably recognizes to an extent that he has changed a little bit after going to the uh, Land of Immortals, that when his family greet him warmly and he comes back at them almost more warm than they came to him, that it kind of throws them a little off guard. But your wife and child both deeply appreciate this and seem to hug you twice as tightly as usual, which is saying something. Um, but it kind of gives Norhill a little bit of perspective on his own attitude and personality. But yeah, almost enough that it snaps him out of his, uh, how do I say this, plannerly bound uh, sort of emotional uh, uh, state. And instead, he just kind of goes back to normal Norhill, but realizing that he was in a different position when he was, you know, yeah, right. There you are, go. Those are, you are words. Norhill was like a bad dad. No, he's just a warlike father who happens to be Lord of the Halls. He doesn't have time to be like, oh, snapping out of it a little bit. Norhill is going to make like a sort like a sort of like intentional attempt at holding on to some of the warmth uh, he was carrying. Right. Like, you know, he realizes that, you know, some of that stuff, he does need to let go of it. But, you know, being, you know, greeted by his family and having that, he sort of maybe realizes that maybe some of the changes were for the best. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that's just something he's going to keep in the back of his mind for now. Um, 
while he like you know sits you know with his you know, wife and son to you know cheer on the wrestlers and stuff you know get as much time as he can in with them before you know having to fly away on the blimp again off to the frozen wastelands of Firmore to go meet with an undead being of unknown powers and strengths yeah i mean it's yep. a good time to hug your kids <laughs> <laughs> really think about shit <laughs> But Anton, Anton also realizes in his intensely dour, sour, depressed state looking at the sunset that he had a certain level of haughty rage that may have been spurned on by the land of oh, immortals. Oh, I wanted to keep going with it. Oh, Jesus. I well, to- you know, I mean, all I'm saying is you're just aware that you were behaving in a way that felt a little bit beyond your control. If you choose to carry that a little longer, by all means, be entitled well, to your I was, anger. I was picturing he's just mad and he's really frustrated with the situation. I'm thinking he's going to have, he's going to go in the wrestler's ring and have his fight club moment and get the shit beat out of him, but be really angry and relieved about it. Because oh, no, like Are you going to fight Ock? Out his range. <laughs> He doesn't right. do it. Ox gonna be like, he's gonna be like, no, challenge oh, the current really champion. Really challenge Kick. Like the Illuminator, and like that, this is the right thing to do. And he's just seeing it really doesn't have that much influence and help, and it gets him really upset. And he's just angry. And he, he's like, I'm like, he needs to have his fight club moment, get the shit beat out of him, and then get his senses back together. That's kind of what I want to so I suppose once you go to the succubi scorn, uh, you can tell that, you know, everybody's in there having a grand old time and you walk in there pissed off and mad about it. And you can see Auk in the ring covered in dwarves. And at one point there's an opportunity. I guess you can call your fight. Do you want to fight kick or do you want to fight Auk? Uh, uh, Norhill from where he's sitting is probably going to uh, uh, Anton uh, come in. And you know, he's just gonna, you know, sort of raise a hand and like, and sort of be Anton's herald for a second. Wait, and, I wanna, I wanna uh, uh, just say, everyone, Saint Anton of Glory, wake! All right, if it's evens, it's Ock. If it's odds, it's click, kick, click. Because he's just angry. He's not making like a choice, a logical choice here. <laughs> Norhill heralds him in the door. Evens! Looking he's between getting like, hurt and he's dying. Fighting. He's fighting off. <laughs> he's walking off. Oh, I'm calling He just starts grumbling and like pulling off like his his like shoulder blades and robe, and he's just angry and sweaty. I don't know. Naked. Why is he naked again? No, <laughs> not naked. I'm just thinking like he's not gonna wear his godly robes and get him, like a fist fight. What did you get? Did you get awk or kick? Awk. I got evens. Right. Okay, all right. So with that, up. he does. He just pulls so it pocket, Norhill... flips it on the table, and just goes in. Okay, Norhill Harold's as you come in, and everybody's like, "Really, this is just WWE." You just walk in, all the lights pin on you, and everything goes dark, and everyone's like, Ooh, and you just walk up to the ring, like, "I'm pulling you out, Hawk," <laughs> and you climb in. All the is, dwarves is Anton old man buff. Like, I, I don't know so. what his strength score is. I feel like he probably has a physique like Willem Dafoe, where he's just stringy old angry man. Where like he could probably smack you around, but he's not gonna like kill his you. Like he's got like 14, so he's like average. Wait, his 14? what? Fourteen? Fourteen? 
that, that's, that's that's above average. Significantly <laughs> above average. Yeah. <laughs> Norhill so stayed in shape. I mean, Anton stayed in shape. Yeah, and so, it probably has the second biggest in, muscles he, in the group. He was wearing a lot of armor. I gotta say, it's, it, it's like it takes like it off, and he's just jacked. <laughs> like, why did yeah, he just I hold get, the right He does have old man strength, I guess. He's fucking he's old man jacked. Holy shit! Ock is just threatened by this in a way he wasn't anticipating. <laughs> Anton just does wall sits during church. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's just got mega quads. His strength is strictly in his quads. <laughs> That's it. That's really um, okay. My scores are wisdom and strength. So I suppose we'll just go off of strength, uh, strength checks in this one, strength or dex, to be able to to do your things during the hold round. This, so I I do want to say Klika's eagerly watching this match. <laughs> she has come oh, out oh. from the shadows to get a ringside view of this. I mean, before, what we'll do is starts. Uh, Norhill was gonna like kind of you know step in and like you know take like the referee's spot and just be like, well, I guess we have a special fight tonight, everybody. And then just sort of look to Anton and says, "Are you sure about this? Are you feeling all right?" He stares at him, mouth open. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, what the hell he's saying? I feel like he wouldn't say anything. I feel like he would just shove him to the side and go right for. Oh, he's just mad, man. When Jarzak <laughs> Klika crawl out, uh, he's gonna go over to Klika and be like, uh, do, "Do do you want a better seat so you can see?" Um. Picks Kikla up without waiting for an answer. Puts puts her on his shoulders. Kleeka's pretty happy up there. All right, so my hands uh, are a little muddy. So I think what we're gonna do. They've already been cleaned. (laughs) Wait, are you guys making bets? (laughs) What we're gonna do is we're gonna roll for the initiative each round. We'll just uh, we'll just do it on a d6, just because I don't feel like dealing with d20s and modifiers and stuff. And then as far as like every round's action, we'll just say you do some sort of wrestling action. We'll say if it's a strength or a dex ability, and then we'll just kind of do it like that. So it's not going to be necessarily attacks. It'll just be like combos and shit. Like I do a flying elbow. You know what I mean? Or like I try to get him in a stranglehold. You know what I mean? So, okay. So D6 on the initiative. Ak got a six. I got a three. So... Uh, Ock is just gonna like try to dodge whatever you throw at him, and he's just gonna skirt to the side. <laughs> so Ock doesn't know what to do. He's this just... guy just jumped in the ring, keeps swinging at him. Yeah, it's just like a right hook. He's gonna try to right hook him, right? And like, well, how tall is Ock? Because I'm like, can he realistically like reach his head, or is it more like he's gonna more aim realistically for like the chest? Oh, you can aim for his head. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna do strengths. Leverage, low man wins, Anton. I got, I got 19. Yeah, so you definitely connect. Yeah, so you thunk right into his face, and having not hit somebody in probably your entire life with your bare fist, you feel like your hand broke, smacking into a solid jawline, and you pull it back. And Auk looks 
Like, like, remember that episode of SpongeBob where Patrick got called Tubby and he got like so butt hurt by it? When you hit him in the face like that and just give him a solid right hook, he just looks so sad by this, and he just looks <laughs> angrily at you, like he's gonna fucking beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Tubby starts doing like the side jumps and shaking his arms, like let's go. <laughs> Just fall on face plants you to the earth. All right, so let's go ahead and roll another d6 and see what happens. Oh, no. oh I got a five. I got a, I got a five too. Okay. So in that case, it'll be simultaneous actions. I guess we'll lock and like see who get, maintains the, the push on this one. So I'm going to roll strength. You can roll strength and we'll see who gets higher. I'll go to 12. Um... Seconds take a long time to load. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> I got 13. Oh, that me you, two, like, you. <laughs> you guys lock arms, and I imagine what happens is at the last second, Anton like slides out of the arm lock and wraps around his chest, pushing him against the uh the uh the ropes. Because he's so with that, yeah. So he <laughs> thuds into it. Yeah, right. Um, so you've already gotten two solid wins on him in this one. We're getting pretty close to you just like taking him to the ground, but let's go ahead and roll initiative again. Okay. I got a five. I got a six. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So what are you gonna do? I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna try to get around his neck and try to pull him to the ground. I got a fourteen. Jesus. Okay. So yeah, you wrap your arm around his back for a reverse guillotine, and you just like try to rock backwards with him, and he somersaults to the ground flat, and you fall flat next to him. So you two are kind of like. Yeah, like uh, like you know, like foot to head, kind of like you'd lay in a bed with another person. So you just roll back with him flopped onto the ground like that with a thud. The whole room shakes and quakes, and a couple glasses fall to the ground as this happens. So Mm -hmm. Auk on the ground tries to roll over and try to like hold you to the ground with his full body mass. Oh Jesus Christ! I got a twenty-five on the roll. So (laughs) he rolls over and just plants on top of you, and he's like. Listen, I don't know why you're so mad at me, but you really need to calm down. And then go ahead and we can roll for the initiative. Man. Just take it so personal. I got a three. Jesus. Okay, so what are you going to do? Oh. Uh, I'm going to just... Totally. Don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> and try to headbutt him. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Man. This is brutal. Don't tell me how to feel. Hey, what did you get? A 15. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, you headbutt him in the face, and he immediately <laughs> lets off of you and grabs onto his face as a, as a small stream of blood drips back onto your face after headbutting him. Again, the pain of the headache you have for headbutting, like, living rock man is probably, yeah. like, unbelievably agonizing. But after you did that, he just winds up and socks you in the face since you're still laying on the ground. <laughs> Full velocity punch to your face. Yeah, he got a 22 on that. So yeah, he just sunks you in the face with a hefty fucking fist. And while you contemplate your life's decisions, uh, as you see stars and many colors you haven't seen in a long time, Ox seems to get ready for another fist, just like getting ready to just do a fucking like three-piece combo on your face while you're laying on the ground. So let's roll for initiative again. 
got a three. I got a three as well. So as he goes to punch you, what do you do? Um, I guess I try to find a way to grab his fist and like kind of try to force the energy in another direction. But I only got a seven. So I don't know. Okay, he got a 14, so yeah, as you like put your hand up to try to smack it out of the way, you recognize just how much bigger and bulkier this big idiot of a character is as he just thumps your head back to the ground again and you feel very feeble underneath him. Um, so, okay, so at this point, it seems like it's probably going to be whoever gets the next victory is going to win this fight, so let's roll for the initiative and see what happens. In the case okay. that you both get a success on this round, we'll push it to the next one but I got a three. I got two. Uh-oh. Okay. So as you lay on the ground, he stands up and he goes to pick you up and pull you over his head to throw you out of the ring. Okay. This is going to be a very unfortunate way for you to lose. Okay. I got a nine, so it's not a success. So as he picks you up and holds you over his head, you squirm around too much and like latch onto his face. So he can't throw you in any direction. He just kind of like tries to push you, but you just pivot around. So what do you want to do? I got a 16. So I'm trying to think of like what would, what would be advantageous. This is the knockout. How do I knock out someone in that position? Knee him in the face. Oh, shit. Land on top of him when he falls to the ground. Like, I don't know. Sure. Um, that sounds really fucking brutal. Summon the illuminator into your fist. Get your <laughs> god back. No, that's not right. That's cheating. Um you could just or you could just roll around to be behind him and grab his head into a headlock and just like dangle off his back like a backpack strangling him. I just imagine him. Yeah, some, maybe like, we'll do that. Mysterio and... shit. Because I think, well, yeah, because I feel like he'll try to like strangle him, but I think something has to come realize. He has to come to some realization of like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like, this is not Anton. I, I mean, we'll say that once. Yeah, well, you choke him out, and <laughs> as he's trying to get you off his back, swinging left to right, and your little legs dangling in the wind behind him. Uh, eventually, he just like kind of taps out and falls to the ground on all fours. And like lays flat. I imagine Norhill at this point taps the match and gets you off of him. And at this point, he runs over and grabs your hand and lifts your hand up. So, what's Norhill give for the little victory call on this one? Everyone, I present you tonight's most surprising victim, Anton of Glory Wake, saint, priest, baker, <laughs> and wrestler. Just bleeding, huffing, puffing, sweating. Anton just stands there, looks down at Auk, and Auk looks at you with a look of disbelief, and then he starts laughing. Oh, Anton starts crying. <laughs> Anton's got jet lag. He's feeling a lot of things right now, and he needs a nap. <laughs> like, what did I do? Does it look like Kick Kleka getting... starts crying? <laughs> Does it look like kick the click is getting amped up that there's a new challenger? <laughs> yeah, right. Kick starts to pull out four knives. So from each going arm. to look to like one of the officiators uh, for like help with playing this off, and uh, you know, get, get, getting something else going on while he leads Anton uh, out of the ring. 
you see a bunch of dwarves begin to shuffle and rush around to the side and start jumping up in there and start pushing Auk aside as a group of six and three on three begin to fight in the ring as the rest of the group are hurried out of the match or at least out of the uh, out of the square there. So a very crying Anton is pulled out of the ring. He's very much turbulent right now. He's like, what just happened to me? Uh, and Norhill's going to lead him over to, coincidentally, the very same dark corner <laughs> that Clico was brooding in a minute ago. <laughs> the very particular corner of this establishment. Is there more than one dark corner? <laughs> nope. It's just the okay. dark corner. It's reserved for this very purpose. Yeah, there's you know, a sign. Crying, plotting, being a quest giver. It's yeah. a very specific corner with a lot hooded, of purposes. Hooded rangers hang out here a lot. Yeah, I'd shoo Strider away so that Anton can sit down. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Pull yourself together, man. This kind of makes me think of a Christmas story after Ralphie kicks the crap out of that kid and he just starts crawling. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> what have I done? It kind of goes full circle because Anton was derived from a Christmas movie. <laughs> I just like thinking that Klika's crying under the table like, why are you crying, Klika? Like, the Illuminator's gonna kill Anton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh boy. God. <laughs> that's fun. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so with that, yeah, so Norhill and Anton are crying in the corner. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, that is that it? Really... Yeah. <laughs> <Just> crying. <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, Jarsak's gonna, while still having Klee on his shoulders, go over to the bar grab a couple drinks, and now that he sees the dark corners taken, he's going to go get, like, a sit by the fire or something, if there is a fire going, or just grab a table. Oh, yeah. Okay, so as you go over to where the fire is, Kick follows you obediently, and a group of dwarves come over to greet you guys and give you warm welcomes and salutations, asking if you'd like a drink for your other hand as well. Do we see Margay and Caracol anywhere? No. That's too bad. Yeah, so I'll sit Klika down next to me by the fire and uh, hand her one of the beers and just be like, uh, hey, so Klika, for what it's worth, uh, you know, the whole destiny thing. It's, uh, I'm pretty sure my life would be boring without you. So, uh, I don't really care what other plans there were before you came into it. It's been pretty good for me. That he just, like, fucking shotguns the beer. <laughs> just stabs the bottom of the wooden mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can think about saying something and then just just stabs the bottom of her mug with flicker, <laughs> does the same thing. Now, put, was that kind of cursing that mug? 
Because I remember hearing that those that die from flicker are actually cursed. So does that mean that the mug becomes cursed too? No, no, no. We we fixed that. that that's just okay a just, just undead wraith mug floating around to come fight you guys. Uh, the ghost like, finally. Just without saying anything, she'll sort of like put it. I'm assuming we're sitting sort of on like a bench or the floor. Um, but if we're in like what, however we're sitting, she'll set it up so that she's like turned sideways and just sort of leans her back against Jarzak and just sort of is resting there, content and knowing. Doesn't have to say anything for the. <laughs> Very first time in her life, Klika just doesn't have a lot to say right now. And as Klika looks away, because they, I would have put us on the floor in front of the fire. Jarzak reaches out and starts playing in the soot a little. Just, like the swats his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Sees the dirt, <laughs> chuckles. <laughs> Liquor just shows. Like falls right between two of your fingers. <laughs> Click is not even looking. It's just her arm out. <laughs> like just puts the dirty hand in front of Klika chuckling. Let's let's her clean it and then stops. Like, damn Klika, that was close. Like, I missed. <laughs> I suppose that was but, um, too. Yeah. Yeah, right. Guess you're gonna so, need that hand later. Too soon, man. Too soon. But um, okay, so if that's it for Anton and Norhill and their uh, dark corner escapades, unless there's something else to be said. No, Anton just gets all his pain out of the system and he'll be fine. Hey, he's just gonna have a good cry. Beat the shit out of one of his most innocent friends who's fought to protect his well, own life. Like, and then he, he got all the pee out, and then he like, got all the anger out. He hasn't had a time to like really register all the shit that's happened. Especially since everything that happened on, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Gorgareth? Yeah. Fucking head priest died. He didn't get time to process that. This whole place determined him, the head priest, and he didn't really know how to take that, and then he just went home to Gorwick, and he couldn't go with them. And he met Ira finally and she now is gone. You didn't even get a chance to see the Illuminator. He's all messed up. He hasn't had a chance to like come to terms with what happened in like the last like what, how many, what, a month? I mean, probably more than that to be honest. Yeah, so it's gonna boil over eventually. Well, Anton, are you going to be okay? Uh, did, did, did you find the peace that you seek in that battle? He just, uh, he just takes a breath and he says, no. But I think that's the point. This will never be a life of peace. All thanks to Klinka. I'm learning bit by bit <laughs> that we get our peace where we can find it. It's best to not let these things fester, unless they cause you to fail at the moment of truth. How I've looked toward my life was peace. That's what I was raised. That's what church led us to do. Peaceful values. 
generosity being one of them, helping people at most to help their peace and their fellow Paul's ears peak, to help them be peaceful and therefore help yourself be peaceful. But this world isn't born out of peace. I don't think it'll end with peace either. You can't let yourself think that way. That's the moment that you lose. You can't keep fighting. How to say this? The philosophers and priests would be able to explain it better. <laughs> the moment you start fighting solely to not die and you stop thinking about what it is you're fighting for is the moment your lines break and everything is lost. Uh, Norhill sort of uh, pokes Anton uh, in the chest. You have to believe that there's a future worth achieving out there somewhere. Thanks about the bakery and the hungry children of <laughs> Dustwind. Dustwind is gone. Damn it, Ronnie, that didn't actually get said. He <laughs> just replied to Norhill. Dustwind's gone. <laughs> Damn it, Anton, what do you know? Dustwind uh, uh, dust is do. gone. And when all of this is over, the deaths of those people will need to be mourned. And it will be very sad. There are people around us who are still alive and who could live to see the tomorrow after this war. You have two, you have two choices. You can let yourself drown be beneath the piles of bodies that will still be stacked up as this conflict goes on, or you can step up and over and still live to breathe your next. Anton's not impressed. I'm not going to forsake this task. We will take down the Herald of Steel. That I will do, but I don't think the dream of peace is my dream anymore. I think it needs to be something that can adapt and change. Peace can't. Peace is constantly broken. There has to be somewhere else. Something else. I don't suppose I can talk you out of this mood. Yeah, you'll have to... You'll have to find your own way out. I just don't want you to forget why we have to defeat the Herald of Steel. And it's not only because uh, he, he's the evil man right now. There will always be another. There has to be something else. He just gives him a so nod. Put... kind of shuts up after that. I suppose and, uh, with, with that, that... Norhill returns to his family. Okay. And in the hours that follow, the night kind of comes to a dwindling dull and uh, everybody starts heading to bed, including the party. Uh, I imagine Anton probably stays up a little bit later than others and watches the fire 
and has a moment where he looks to the dwindling fire and the embers there and sees the fire randomly begin to stoke out of its near sort of a, uh, yeah, after it had almost been extinguished, the fire kind of kicks up again. And Anton feels a certain surge of passion in his own breast as he looks upon the fire and the hearth and realizes that peace is one thing. Peace is fine, but peace is only a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a current state. It's a mentality, but that doesn't mean it's permanent and it's not forever. But as he looks at the fire burning, he has a certain feeling of passion as he looks at the raw, unbridled power of destruction in the flame and has a moment of thought as he looks upon it. But me yeah. as a player, I have to seriously think about how I'm going to do this. So it's going to take me a little time. You what? I have to seriously think of how like Anton's next move will be. So I, I can't come up with something right away. This is like a serious character development for him. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, and as the morning comes, the gnomes that are the crew of the Wave Wraith greet you guys warmly and introduce themselves. Um, the lucky dog is there waiting on deck to be the uh, first mate for the captain, Jarzak himself. And the party has already charted a few different courses that they may take in order to get to Fearmore, but tell you that you're going to have to not only clear the entirety of Amroth, cross the oceans to the north, and cross a couple of islands on your way, but you're also going to have to circumnavigate the spire in the center of the continent on the way. So the question they have is, would you like to try to go farther north past Eagleheart, or would you like to go to the west over the mountains the way that you'd gone to get to uh, um, Gorgareth? Norhill thinks going west would be better, uh, because you know apparently they're fortifying around uh, around Eagleheart, and he's not really looking to fly over like ballistae and catapults and stuff that they might have. Okay. And so, um, if that's what Jarzak wants to do, since he's captain of the boat, he's the one who has the most say in this. What are you going to say, Dolphin Boy? He <laughs> 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 just gets dolphin. right up in his face. <laughs> what are you going to do, Dolphin Boy? <laughs> take take that coin. And he's like, let's leave it to chance. Flips a coin for it. Like a smack the coin out of the air with her uh, mage hand. Just <laughs> I was gonna say, Jarzak uh, smacks the coin out of the air with the Domro's luck, and all of a sudden, <laughs> a tower forms in the center of the <laughs> ship, destroying everything. Like, no. What? Oh, that was my lucky coin. No, I'm just kidding. That was I don't know. That was just a penny I had in my pocket. All right. Uh. Yeah, Norhill, your plan sounds great. Okay. So with that, the gnomes uh, piss off the air elementals underneath the ship. It begins to take flight. The inflatables up top are burst and grow and expand. And as they do, the crew get everything ready, undo all the straps and harnesses, and the vessel begins to take flight, lifting up. And as hundreds of citizens of Enton and Quarrydale as a whole wave to you guys and cheer for you as you fly off into the air, there's a certain sense that we are leaving potentially for the last time from this place and heading off to a very strange land to go meet with a very strange character. And our fates are certainly uh, 
not pre-written. This is going to be pretty rough. Should have probably checked in on that painting. Are you saying Cordell's going to be gone? Now. No. Now. That is where we're going to end it. Hey, everyone. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.